Hello and welcome to I'll Start Monday, the podcast that asks, what can I do starting Monday that'll have a positive impact on my life? Every day in Ireland, more than 200 people give up smoking. And with Nicorette, you could join them. Join the quitters with Nicorette, clinically proven to help you quit for good. Based on Healthy Ireland 2019, Nicorette contains nicotine. Stop smoking aid requires willpower. Always read the label. I'm your host, Keith Walsh, and this week we're tackling a sticky subject that many of us find difficult to talk about. Money. Whether you find it a source of obsession or a necessary evil, there's no getting away from it. Which begs the question, why are so many of us so terrible at managing our finances? Here to help us figure that out and to offer a few ideas about how we can do better is Carl Dieter, Compliance Manager at Irish Mortgage Brokers and CEO of OnlineApplications.ie. Carl has over a decade of experience as a financial advisor and will be familiar to many of you from his appearances on News Talk. No better man to help us with our fiscal space. Carl, welcome to the show. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself, just a little bit of your background, how you got into the whole money thing? I believe you were a musician at one point. Was that a part-time thing? No, that was um, basically I wanted to be a full-time musician, but the the reality of it was is that I I probably wasn't good enough. Now, I could could knock together pub gigs, but not enough to, to make it all make sense. My history is very checkered. I used to train dogs. You know, I worked in bars for years. I, I, I was kind of directionless for a lot of my 20s, and then I, I kind of fell into a job working in life insurance, and I enjoyed that. Then I went into to mortgage brokering, and then it was just one of these things. I finally found something that completely made sense to me, and about a year after doing that with another company, I started my own firm, Irish Mortgage Brokers. We went from strength to strength. At one stage, we had nearly 40 brokers. We were doing about a half a billion a year in lending. The big economic crash came, really made me rethink a lot of things. And, and like a lot of people, you learn a lot of very important lessons. When things go sour in life, sometimes your, your most valuable learning moments are in that. And so the company shrank right back down. But we still continued, still managed to maintain you know, a, a top 10 brokerage in the country, particularly focused on helping first-time buyers and people doing refinance. And that's kind of the, the, the brokerage side of it. Two years ago then, I started a fintech firm, and that's online application IE, which effectively it, it lets you get a mortgage in a couple of minutes over your mobile phone. That's where we're, we're headed with it, and and that it takes care of all that stuff using a mixture of you know machine reading, artificial intelligence. In coming weeks, we're going to have big releases of things coming out, which I'm sure people will hear about in the papers. And we're very excited. Like soon, one of the fastest approvals in, in principle for a home loan in all of Europe will be available in Ireland, and it will have happened from you know just a, a small team working up on the North Circular Road with uh, one of the lenders here. So we're, we're super excited about that, and it's a wonderful space to be in. So, um, But it's the culmination of you know 20 years of learning and then one or two years of trying to get things right. And that's the one thing I would say before we begin about money is if you consider it a destination rather than a journey, there's a lot about this that you'll, you'll learn painfully, and there is actually a much healthier way to go about building your wealth and, and, and to understand it and not beat yourself up during, in that process. And a lot of people like me would say, oh, I'm just no good at money. And that's like, it's like, I'm no good at money, full stop. And that's my, my line for the rest of my life. I've only recently got the, the or bank on my phone as an, on the app, you yeah. know, the, the online banking. I, I, I kind of <laughs> let my wife look after all that, which I feel bad about now. Because like, like she got, she had all the pressure. I was just kind of like, yeah, I hope everything's okay over there with the money. Um, but I, I've kind of been doing a lot of work on myself recently. And one of the things I've done since I've sort of cleared my head a bit more is I've thought, well, I need to look at this money thing and I need to get good at it. Yeah. So what is it about us? And Is it an Irish thing? 
that we just sort of ignore a very vital part of life that could make our lives so much better. Yeah, so... Uh, it, you see, Ireland is, is full of people who are, we're, we're so good on the emotional side, we're so good on the art side, like there's more musicians and artists in this country, I think, than everywhere else in the world per head of population. But when I hear people say, you know, oh, I'm no good at numbers, I'm no good at money, I don't know whether I want to cry or strangle the person because it, 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 it's a complete indictment upon yourself, but it shouldn't be like a point of pride to say I'm really bad at money or, or, or to say it and, and not feel like, God, I could do better at that. So... I, I often think about money and health almost in the same space because it's really just about learning a set of small habits that if you embed those habits in your life, that over time you will change. So, you know, if, if you won the lotto, if you had some windfall gain, if you did something, you know, sometimes you can have a lot more money. Interestingly, a lot of people who actually win lotteries are bankrupted within the first 10 years. So it, it, it's those habits that are their protective layer around you. It's these small little steps that if you start to just learn those things and embed them in your life, the rest of it almost takes care of itself. Now, that doesn't mean you can't have bad luck. It doesn't mean you can't lose a job or something awful happen. Basically, the two biggest money destroyers are death is the first one and debt is the second one. And to, to I guess, just have a respect for the fact that you can still do everything right and get bad results. But the problem that most people have is they don't do those small steps right and then they're confounded with the results because the fact is you can take anyone who's on a fairly average wage and you can really increase their wealth by a large amount just by getting into this idea of you know you can call it your habits you know and every every great movement has this you know so like you've got in religions you've got the torah the 10 commandments you've got you know the five steps of success you've got three ways to lose body fat there's a simple enough list. Now, I don't have like a, an exhaustive list, but we can talk about some of the things that are, are just the basics that if you start to take these little steps, I'm not telling you you'll, you'll ever be a millionaire, but the people who do become millionaires all have a lot in common. In fact, there's a really fascinating book called The, uh, the Millionaire Next Door, which actually examined the habits, the lifetime habits of people who became massive overachievers of wealth. And a lot of them didn't have hugely impressive backgrounds. A lot of them didn't have levels of education that you might associate with success. Indeed, in looking at people who are financially successful, I can tell you right now that you know it gives me a very different view of the value of college education, depending on the course that you do. And, and they, they also tend to just have these repeat habits and they're identifiable and those can be learned. And that's, that's great because it, it, it's like a language. Once you learn the language of money, you can converse in that language. And if you want to learn it, it's there for you. You know, it, it really doesn't discriminate. That's one thing about money. It doesn't acknowledge any of the stuff, your race, color, creed, you know, what you do or don't support. It is completely blind in that sense. And in that sense, it's also, although it's a, a made up construct in, in, in the world that we all buy into, but in that sense, it is absolutely democratized. Okay, and I'd say for anybody listening, they're probably going, okay, Carl, tell us the things, tell us the easy things that we can do to turn things around. You know, I'm ready. Okay, so I suppose if we're going to say I'll start Monday, then what you're going to do is go to bed Sunday night and just before you go to bed, you'll make a list and you'll put one of the things that we talk about today on that list. And that's really important. You've got to choose a starting point. Like anyone who says I'm going to do everything, you'll never do any of it. So starting from the next morning, you're going to choose just one. And that just one will be to look at your situation regarding your income 
or your expenditure. So there's two broad paths that you can start to to try and influence your, your finances on. You can look at how much you're spending, and by spending less, it's like getting a raise, or you can look at how you can have better income or more income. And those are really the two key starting points, and you're gonna choose one of those paths. And then the next step on those paths will be on expenditure, can I look at ways of spending better, or on income, can I look at ways of increasing my income? So the first step is to either get another job or a job that pays better or figure out a way of bringing more money in. It's door A, door B, okay? On the door A one is the expenditure, door B is the income one. Now, door B can be a lot of different things, by the way. So you take someone, just give me a quick profile. Give me the the imaginary person that we're talking about, and I'm going to talk about them in two different ways. So... Okay, so uh, so I'm John, and I've got two kids, and we live in the semi D uh, in Kildare, and uh, I've got a, a grand job. I, I, get, I take home about sixty grand, and, um, and and I'm I'm the only worker in the house. Okay, and I work I work nine to five. Okay, all right. So you work nine to five. So here's a couple of things that you could be looking at. And I never have any money left at the end of the month. <laughs> totally common situation. Last week, I've no money. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's like that country western song, too much month at the end of the money. And, and that's a, an incredibly common thing. So first of all, just for one month, you're going to accept you know, some of your downsides and really keep an exact diary of, of every penny you spent. I mean, every last little bit. When I try to lose weight, which I do successfully most years, and then I put it all back on when I fall off the wagon. But anyway, it, it, calorie counting and logging, every single thing that goes in will absolutely give you the discipline of knowing exactly what's happening, how, what what your, your whole situation is. So the things that you could start to do is, you, you said you have a house. Well, for instance, being a mortgage person, I'll automatically hone in on that. Are you getting the best rate? Because if you were happen to be on some terrible variable rate at four and a half percent, and you could get a mortgage that's like 1.95% because your value went up or you know your situation is better you could perhaps save save about you know 7 8000 a year in a year would you like a 7 or 8000 post tax raise in your income which you if it's 60 grand you'd have to actually get a, a raise of you, you know 14 to 16000 euro to, to pocket okay massive difference you can start that on Monday. You can start that, you can say, you know what, I'm gonna look at my mortgage, and if I'm not on the best deal, I'm going to go get the best deal. In fact, some lenders will even give you a rate way better than 4.5%, and they'll give you 2% back in cash, which I'm not entirely in favor of, but if you just said, look, I also happen to have like this credit card that, okay, it was a mistake, I ran it up, you know, it's five grand, my mortgage is 300,000, then you've got six grand and you clear that straight away. Okay, so there's things that you can do to start to kind of manipulate the matrix just staying within the whole the whole environment that you already have and doing it better the better version of you so straight away you're, you're not changing anything really you're just uh, just a phone call really you're not you're not having to work more you're not having to necessarily spend less yet you haven't looked at that yet you're just well we're freeing we're, up some yeah, so so we're, we're we're looking behind door b we're only looking at the expenditure door actually i can't maybe i'm mixing up the doors <laughs> but anyway, it's an expenditure door and an income door yeah. so we're only looking behind the expenditure door what else could you do? You could look at the price you're paying on your insurances. So I have a car and the insurance on that, I think I got a quote of 780 this year. And I was just like, not a hope. I'm just not paying that. So I went and shopped around, 200 euro off that straight away. In fact, I wrote a book with a guy called Charlie Weston who writes in The Independent called This Book is Worth 25,000 Euro. And what we did in that book 
which I probably should have just mentioned because that actually has most of this stuff in it. Yeah. But what we did in that book is we showed how if you took every single type of expenditure, every change in your life and added it up, that an average person could actually bank 25,000 euro just from going through that, that, that process. And that's the kind of potential transformation that a lot of people can make and they don't even realize it. I mean, you would never, ever walk down the street and if someone said, you know, can you spare me a few, Bob? Yeah, here's two grand. But you effectively do that to the bank when you don't make sure that you've got the best deal. You effectively do that in your life by paying more tax than you should, by you know, or, 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 by not getting as much income as, as is due. So, like, that could be something simple. Like, a lot of people, for instance, don't claim back medical expenses. That's absolutely wild. And, and John, the make-believe guy who lives in a semi-D, let's just say hypothetically that, you know, it's, it's a good-sized semi-D. And the kids are at school, he could take in you know, a student or a rent a room and you could get up to 14,000 euro tax free. Now to get 14 grand tax free, John, if he was working, would have to go out and earn about 28, 30,000 to get that bump up, which would be a 50% increase on what he's earning. So let's just say he refinances his mortgage, finds someone who, who will rent, let's just say it's not the full 14,000, but say if, if, if it was possible to, to you know, have some, some students in their sharing room, they were hypothetically paying 1,000. You know, now that's already 20 grand in the difference. This is John who's like in the overdraft every month, suddenly vastly different situation in the future. Now, not everyone, when you have kids and stuff like that, you don't want people living with you, but that's the point. I'm not telling you you have to do any of this. Mm. I'm just opening your eyes to the fact that it's there in front of you if you look at it. Can I give you another fake person then? Uh, Let's take Sarah and she's living in rented accommodation and she has, uh, maybe she's on 30 30 grand, 32. She's trying to save for a mortgage. She likes to go out at the weekend. She doesn't seem to have money left at the end of the month. Yeah. Um, have I given you enough information about yeah, Sarah? Yeah, no, yeah. because it, it, there's loads of Sarahs and, and, and Stevens and, and, and people in that situation. So uh, I, I suppose the first thing I'd be saying is, look, a- everybody goes through this similar stage where you don't have any assets. And the fact is that once you have some assets, it's, it, it actually becomes a bit easier to acquire more. The hard point is when you're starting off. I would say in, in Sarah's case, you said she earns 30 grand. Just tell me what she hypothetically does. She works in advertising. She works nine to five. Okay, works in advertising at 30 grand. First thing is ask for a raise. You can ask for a raise any job you want, any day you want. Now there's a, a very kind of spiritually important aspect of asking for a raise. And, and I, I would encourage people to focus on this before they ask for it. Are you doing something which warrants it? Have you made yourself indispensable? Have you found something in that company that it's not being done and you made sure to get that done to the point that if you stop doing it, you can turn around and say, well, you know, that's not going to happen anymore. And you start to, to, to go into your job and you're saying, okay, I'm advertising. And let's just say that she writes jingles. And so instead she starts to make extra jingles and says, you know, I'll put these aside for another day. And that way we almost have one pre-written for the next time somebody looks for one. Or I'm going to organize all the files so that when we do make these jingles, that they're in a better order, or at least we've got all the instrument names written down, or some kind of something, some kind of innovation. And then you go to the boss and you say, you know, I'd like a raise. Here's the reasons. Like this is the the the, the price in the market. I know at thirty grand she's underpriced, and sometimes that can just be, you know, women aren't as aggressive as as guys are about asking for raises. So that would be something. You could just ask and take a flyer at it. You could turn around and say, look, I'm doing all these other things. You could test the market and see if someone else will hire you for more. If it's a kind of thing where you're working remotely and she enjoys going out on the weekend, you know, it could be better to move to cheaper accommodation if you're working from home further away and come up with a savings plan. 
actually start get a bank account that has no card, no anything, like like where you literally have to go in to make the withdrawal, and basically start to make sure that you put some money in there first before you put money into anything else every month. You could start to buy a few stocks. I'm not going to pull out stock tickers, and it's a false hope to, to think that you'll ever find these again and again. But I mean, if you were to invest in some of the companies that are out there right now at the right time, like if you put a thousand euro in, you know, even like 10 years ago, you could be in the hundreds of thousands of wealth now. And that's not to say that, that people regularly all do that, but someone has, someone somewhere did. I used to play music with a bass player in Chicago and he loved Apple because he thought like the iPods were the best invention ever. So he used to take all his extra gig money because well, he played five gigs a night, but if he played six or five gigs a week, if he played six gigs, the sixth gig went into Apple. And he's retired. I, you know, I, I, I still, like I stay in touch with him on Facebook. He's known as the beast and he's still the same beast he always was, but he's also a retired one. He's like 52 years old and his whole thing was it, like he used to collect vinyl and the fact you could have like a thousand vinyls on an iPod, he thought that was cool. And let's not get it wrong. I mean, Apple may have gone to zero or, or closed or something else happened. He didn't know it. But intuitively, he went along with some of the best financial advice you can get, which is to increase your income and then have some kind of plan, even if it's not a perfect plan, some kind of plan that will take you to the next step up. And then when you get to that next step up, a whole nother vista opens up in front of you. And that's the thing is you've got to get from the zero up to one. And that's the hard step. Some kind of way to do that is an absolute must for Sarah. So just, just learn how to run the first mile and then worry about the marathon yeah, later. If, if, you, if you are going to run a marathon, Step one is, 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 is where it begins. And every racer goes through that. Every racer, even the winners, the losers, they all take that first step. What about things like you hear this a lot, like, oh, maybe if Sarah didn't have her cappuccino every day or she didn't have her avocado on toast, she'd be able to afford to, you know, to she stop living the life she enjoys. Are, are, are there savings to be made in those places like a, your, your daily coffee? Yeah, look, the, it, most of that stuff, I'll be honest, is, is just, it's bullshit. It's, it's, um, you're, you're flirting around the edges of, of reality because if you think that not buying a coffee is going to buy you a house, then you obviously are, you have no concept of housing costs. What I would say, though, is it is indicative of, of consumption choices that can, when taken in the aggregate or when they're taken all together, start to make a big difference. So, you know, some people say, well, that's the way it is. You know, millennials, they don't want to own stuff or Generation Z. They don't have a feeling of ownership. They, they value experience. And so they'd rather go out and have something to eat, even if it is this, you know, trope of avocado toast, which strangely enough was when I was growing up in California, it was a poor person's meal. It's actually the last meal my dad ever had. Um, if you're doing that every day, well, then you probably have a, something that you're going to have to change because if you're spending, say, 10 euro every single day, seven days a week, that's 70 euro, 3,500 euro a year qu pretty quickly. If you put that 3,500 euro into something else, what could you do with it? If you put that 3,500 euro into reducing debt or into saving for a deposit for a house, if you put it into you know, investment, there's a whole host of other choices. So when it comes to money, it's, it's not really about a choice of like no avocado toast or wealth. It's really about your underlying habits and how they all play into the outcomes. And if you're, the other thing is you could be happy not having a lot. Like you don't have to do this. Like no one is saying you've got to have, you know, much in your bank. Some of the people I know that, that have very high levels of satisfaction in their life, very deep connections to their community, huge amounts of joy, materially they don't have any of this stuff. And, and, and that gets back to this whole, you know, money doesn't buy happiness, true, but, but, but a lack of money definitely buys misery. And, and that's where, where the message I'd be trying to spread is that you don't have to, you know, make huge amounts of mind-numbing changes. You just start to take these small steps, the ones you're comfortable with. 
And if you have a nose for money or you're into it, trust me, you will actually get better at it. And, and you will find that money. I mean, people who want to be successful, I mean, who really want it, who are willing to, to make the necessary sacrifice, you can't really keep them down because they just keep on swinging. It's like my I had a boxing coach, he just said, look, keep swinging, you'll hit something. And it's as true then as it is today. You know, if you just keep on going, you're going to reach somewhere. Yeah, you're you're making this very difficult for me because now I'm going to have to do work for this. But it, but it comes down to if you put your head in the sand, nothing's going to change. But if you think about it and you make a plan, then things will change. That's basically it. And you've got to think about it. I mean, I don't want a lot, but now I'm at the I'm at the stage and at the age where I'm, I've I've finally matured a little bit. And I'm like, well, I just want to ha- make sure that at the end of the month, not only have I not run out of money, I want to have money left, and then I want to be deciding where I put that money, and I want to save some of it. I want to be able to, you know, I just want to. It's just like having a little bit of room a bit yeah. above your head, you know? I'd be happy with that. Well, you know, I mean, if, if you want me to speak directly to you, I, I, I can do that too. So, I mean, you know... <laughs> no, you, no, you, I'm worried. <laughs> no, but, but here's the thing, okay? Yeah. Look, here we are in this podcast, you know, and I know that this isn't what you, you do in the daytime. So you're already actually following one of the, the, the immutable laws behind... Uh, door A of you know doing something that increases your marketability, increases your value to the world, and you're trying to help other people through this podcast. And in doing so, hopefully, you'll do better too. It's giving you valuable experience for someone else came along and wanted someone who could work on a podcast. So y- y- you're building up this repertoire that whether you're paid for this or not will actually increase your value. It's it's putting you out into a new place and and expanding your horizons. Within that, you know, if you have a mortgage, you can look at doing, you know, finding a better deal. If you're spending on things, if you have kids or don't have kids, I, I'd, without knowing a little bit more about you, I, I, I'd need a bit more to go. I've got to two go. kids. Okay. I've got a beautiful wife. <laughs> I've got a beautiful home. <laughs> yeah, just like the talking head song, yeah, you know, exactly. how did I get here? Yeah, how did I get here? Uh, so, like, like this is the, the, the thing. So, if you have a house, you know, are you looking at that in, in terms of your mortgage? Again, like I was saying, rent room. If you are running, uh, a lot of houses run two cars, you know, are you making sure that you're getting the best deal on your insurance? Because if you save 200 on one, you might be able to get a double policy and save 300 then across the two. Are you looking at the best deals on electricity? Are you putting aside a little bit of money into some kind of pension provision, which also gets you tax relief? And that's why pensions are a really good choice for people to, to save in the long term. The other thing is, you know, if you have a house, You've actually entered into what I would call a, it's like a, it's a weird one because it's like debt slavery and monetary freedom at the same time. When you buy a house, you actually give away a huge amount of your future. When you start to pay interest, all you're doing is moving money through time. So you take all your future earnings, you move it into today so you can buy that house and then your future earnings get chewed up as a result of it and that's why they charge interest. And that's why we talk about the time value of money in finance all the time. Well, not all, the, like most people don't talk about it, but trust me, in financial service, you we always talk about it. It's, it's basically as, as common as the law of gravity. If you were to say start making one or two little extra payments, every time you make a payment, okay, let's just say that your house is worth 100,000 and the market never goes up and it never goes down. You just hit, for some reason, pure stability. Now, we know the prices rise typically over time. And even people who bought in the boom are no longer in negative equity. But every time you make a payment, it creates a bit of equity. And so because the market has, is never going to move up or down again, eventually your value will be 100000 and your debt will be zero. Well, that 100000 is like money in the bank. Now, you can't go out necessarily and spend it, but you now no longer have a housing cost. And, 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 and that, again, is a very powerful thing. 
if you've paid enough stamps to get a state pension, then that's worth 350,000 euro. You know, and, and loads of people have this like invisible 350,000 euro that if they live to be, you know, 66, seven or eight, that they'll collect one day. And, uh, and, they, and they don't really think about that. So it, this is the fascinating thing is sometimes you can be amassing wealth and not even really understand it. In fact, I- even if you never worked a day in your life, you can still end up getting a state pension worth 350,000 euro. When I say it's worth that, what I'm saying is if someone else went out there and wanted to get roughly 200 euro a week every week, they would have to put in a sum of about 350,000 a year in order to do that. So, you know, there's a lot of things that when you start to think about these little steps you're taking right, you know, making sure you pay your taxes, stay stay working, get rid of debt. Debt is very destructive. Like I peddle it and it's it's useful, but it's, it's like a drug, too much is bad, just the right amount is good you can end up in, in a good situation. And and lastly is that it takes time. People who, who hit big money in their 20s, total outlier. People who hit big money in their 30s, it can happen, but you don't see that much of it. But if you look at the people then who, who, who become very successful, they usually don't start to hit that until their 40s. And then, you know, there's this, like these several changes all take place at, at the same time. So if you happen to have kids, and you've had them in your 30s, you know, your, your costs go up, you've got mortgages and things like that quite often, and then you plateau. And then as children mature, they go off and live their own lives and you become debt free. All of these outgoing stop and you're left at this higher level of wealth and you can bank that or, you know, do whatever you want with it. So the profile of wealth in this country is that most of it is owned by people who are over 65. And, and, and that's normal. People say, but that's terrible. Well, it'd actually be terrible if all the 20 year olds had it because imagine what, like, what's that mean for everyone who's like 80 and has nothing then, you know? So, yeah. And you wouldn't know what to spend it on as a 20-year-old. Well, you'd know exactly what to spend it on, but it wouldn't be good but for you. But that's, I know? suppose, where a whole host of other dynamics come into things, such as, you know, family relations and, and people might want to pass stuff on or bank it away or, you know, buy somewhere else or holiday home. The thing is, money gives you choices. And if you don't have it, you, your, your list of choices gets smaller. And, and that's really all I'm saying is I think most people would like to have a life where they have more choices. Yeah, you're you're making you're making me feel better by the minute. As I get older, I'm, things are going to get better. That's good, but it's it's it comes down to and like we've done a few we've had a few of these conversations with different things like mental health, physical health, all these things, and it just comes down to trusting the process, isn't it? Ultimately, there's a couple of laws in this world, and and they all kind of broadly dictate most things. So it's about those small steps. It's about repeating those small steps successfully again and again and again, despite the grind, despite, you know, the the hardship of life and whatever else it might be. And that could be for your mental health. It could be for your physical health. It could be for your financial health. It could be for the relationships that you foster around you. It could be your dedication to, to, you know, the service of other people. But it, it doesn't really change because it's the same thing again and again and again. It's about forming those successful habits that will bring you into the next level of, your wealth, your awareness, your well-being, your 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 physique, any of these things. So, you know, the the nice thing about that is is once you acknowledge that and understand that every gain comes with a certain sacrifice and it is always usually a trade-off of something, you can start to make better decisions and have better financial outcomes. And 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 that really when I say the trade-offs, I'm really talking about time. The reason time is money is because anything can be made more of. So the mic I'm speaking into, I'm sure the Shure Company used to be in Evanston, Illinois. They could make a million microphones in the next month if you need them. They can't manufacture more time. If you went to a person, you said, you know, 
you're about to, you have 48 hours to live. You can pay me a million. You can have another 48 hours. If they had a million, I'm sure they'd pay you. You know, the value of the water, bottle of water you bought me while we're doing this show, pick it up for a euro 50. It was in the middle of the Sahara Desert. Now it might be worth a thousand and fifty. You know, so it, it, it's about understanding that your, your, your life has a beginning and end. You have a certain amount of time with what to do with it. You have a choice of ignoring these small steps that you can make that will make huge beneficial changes on many different facets of it. Or you can embrace it. It's not easy. And all change and all success comes with a certain amount of requisite pain that's required to get there. But if you're willing to do that, you will get there. Oh, God. Seems like a lot of pain. <laughs> Our listeners are looking to make small but impactful changes to their lives. Looking at next Monday in particular, for example, what could our listeners do on Monday to start progress towards their goals financially? It gets back to that idea of Sunday night, you know, make your list and you're going to do one of them in the next week. It could be to try to quit smoking. It could be to stick within a shopping budget. It could be to redo your insurances, to change electricity provider, to switch your mortgage. It could be to make sure that you ask for a raise in work, to look around on the job market. Or, you know, if, 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 you don't have, if you're young and you don't have a lot of responsibility, you know, people say, I shouldn't have to work two jobs. Well, what else are you going to do? You know, work the two jobs, get some more experience because then you're getting double the work experience within the same amount of life. And people say, oh, but you have to live. No one's saying you can't live. But, you know, if you work two or three nights, you know, doing anything, you're still gaining more experience, more income. You'll always be learning something. Like, that's a fascinating thing. Like every activity you do, you're learning something and, and it makes you more valuable. So those are all things that you can do. So just make the list. If you want strictly kind of expenditure things, the book called This Book is Worth 25,000 Euro is one you can do. There's a guy named John Lowe who writes a book called The Money Doctor. He has a load of good money tips in, in his book. He makes a new one every year, so it's always really current and relevant. And you could just do that. So if, if you said, look, I, I want the, like, the super laziest thing I can do on Monday, go buy a copy of The Money Doctor and, and, and start to read it. If you want something that's a little bit harder, you can start to uh, look at how you can manipulate the tax code in your favor. Look at things like rent room relief. Look at things like if you are going to start saving, start saving for a pension. You could look at ways to you know, reduce the lifetime cost of your mortgage. Those are all things that you can do. You can make extra money with a passion. Like I still, not anymore since the pandemic came, but every single week of my life, every single week of my life, ever since I was 21 years old, I play gigs. And those gigs have typically paid for my car tax, my car insurance, all the petrol I use, all everything. And I enjoy it. You know, it, it's a nice feeling. I love the music. I love the bands I'm in. I love the people I play to, the people I play with. And it's a massively rewarding process and I still get paid to do it. But you can actually take something that you're passionate about and turn it into an income. If you've got a bit of get up and go in this world, trust me, it's there. You might not feel it's there. You know, you can sometimes feel well, that wouldn't fix because I need, you know, a thousand a month and that job would only get me like 200. But you know what? Solve the first 200, you know, and then you can get on to the next one. That gets back to that same idea of like every person who finishes a marathon, the winner and the loser both start with a single step. Take that one step. Very good. I mean, I have to say that on a personal level, one of the things that happened to me about a year and a half ago was I lost a job and I was like, I can't really afford to drink at the moment. <laughs> Do you, do, you, do you know what I mean? I, I, I gave up partly for health reasons, but also, on the, you know, a large part was like, I, actually, not that I couldn't afford drinks. I didn't want to spend that money, whatever money I had on drink. So I haven't drank in about a year and a half. And I've noticed big differences just in, you know, just having money and having money at the end of the, you know, 
just not spending as much money at the weekend. Not not be, but it was just it was it's probably seems like a big change as an Irish person, but it was a small change to make, it was a small sacrifice to make, and it's made a huge difference. Yeah. Well, it, it, like you've noticed, for instance, a monetary change from a choice that you made. There can be knock-on benefits from one small choice, and that's that's what I'm trying to say. You've got to find the small choice that's right for you, but just make it. The main thing is, if you're going to make something like this work, don't you know have it theoretical or listen to that and say, oh, that was interesting. Maybe I will. Maybe. Actually, just make the choice. I don't care if it's my one about money, or the next person about mental health, or the person after that about physical. Health. You know, if you're listening to this kind of stuff, there's part of you that's that's looking for something, and it is. Otherwise, you wouldn't be listening. And if you're looking for that something, all I'm telling you is that it's not going to be handed to you. You have to go and get it, and and you can start to make huge differences in your life. Money's, you know, I quite often talk about the fact that money is fake. And people kind of start glazing over, like, oh my God, data, here you go, you're off on the deep end again. But it is a completely made up construct. It's not real. How do I know it's not real? Okay, Keith, after this show, we're both gonna get jetted off. We're gonna be dumped on a desert island. No one's coming, not for a year. You've got 10 things that you can take with you. A suitcase with a million euro in it, then a toolbox, a saw, a bow and arrow, a host of other stuff that's actual physical things. I guarantee you we're both leaving the money behind. And that's why it has no intrinsic value. It's a means of exchange. Now, it's an important means of exchange because it allows the modern world that we live in to exist and it's good and I'm not saying any of that stuff. But you know, the whole idea that money is the root of all evil, totally false. It's the love of money over the love of other people is the root of all evil. But the money of itself is always intrinsically worthless. It's the actual value of the other activities around it that make it good. And that's why I'm saying that like when you make a positive change, it can feed through multiple parts of your life. And that's the bit that I'm saying that you've got to get focused on that one small step. And I'm, I'm going to keep repeating it until, you know, God forbid, if you're, if you're still, you know, if you're still with me, <laughs> I hope you're not, you're not like on the, on the repetition, losing your mind point, but it really is make that one small change. Look for some extra income, cut down the expenditure. And a lot of the rest of the stuff, if you stay on, on, on track, will actually start to take care of itself. And it's not going to be straight away but it will happen. Trust the process. Make a decision. Do one thing and trust the process. It'll take time, but you'll get there. Um, look, I've been advising people. Uh, I know in the intro you said 10 years. Sadly, I'm a bit older than that. It's, it's been more like two decades. And I've, I've been doing it successfully for a long time. I've watched a lot of people do great. And it, and it brings me great joy and great pleasure to see people succeed. Um, I think it's one of the wonderful things in life is to watch someone succeed. I've never understood begrudgery mentality because of that. The quick result thing, you know, the, you know, fame at 20, wealth at 21, that is just, uh, that's a complete television construct. And, and, and in fact, a lot of the people that are celebs, like they have this idea that, oh, it, you know, it, you're media, you must be making, I'm telling you right now, media people, except for a thin number at the very, very top are all broke and they usually are involved in a lot of stuff that is personally destructive or, or not growth oriented for themselves. You know, it's a, it's, a, it's a tough industry full of backbiting. Get yourself into something that you have some love for. And, 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 and that's another really important point on, on the income side, is if you find something that you actually care about, it all gets easier. So like the other small change you can make, if you go to a job on Monday that you hate, step away. And you know what? You might say, well, yeah, I won't have anything. Guess what? Surprise, you're gonna die one day. 
You will. I'm telling you, Keith, you are a dead man walking. The good news is I am too. So you've got a distance between now and whenever that point is, and tomorrow you're going to be another day closer. So use that time wisely. Find something you actually care about and get stuck into it, and you'll actually find the success will come to you. And that's what happened to me when I, when I found mortgages. You know, I have gone from digging ditches, cleaning septic tanks, working in bars, playing music, training dogs, doing every manner of everything. And then I found something and I was like, wow, now I hit the ball, it comes straight off the end of the bat, flies out of the field. You know, find your groove. I feel I feel seen, Carl. I feel seen. Thank you very much. Um, I feel like I've had a personal pep talk there. I think everybody's had a pep talk. I hope you enjoy that. Uh, that's all for this episode. Hopefully you can take some of Carl's advice. Just one, just one thing will do and put it into practice this coming Monday. We'll be back next Monday with Colm Doolan to talk about health and fitness. <laughs>